and it, it gets random. Mm-hmm. All right, so yo, we live on the air. This is the Beat People Podcast, episode 37. I still feel like I want to do something special for episode 40, but I don't know what that is. But uh, episode 37, we got my peoples in the place. We got the, the typical uh, podcast panelists, uh, but we have a special guest, Ski Beats. Let's introduce everybody. And then, uh, so what's up, Ski? What up, what up, baby? How you feeling? Good, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Word, man. You know, we talked about this for a while. Uh, uh, possibly getting you on. I'm glad you finally got on, man. Yes, sir. My my pleasure, baby. Word. And uh, what's up, Ken? Welcome back. Yo, man. what's going on, man? I'm uh I'm over here like Instagramming people and and, and getting getting secretive about it. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm here chilling, getting ready to rearrange all my gear so I can lower my noise floor. Hopefully, a couple of dB and get it get it nice and silent. Got some new sounds coming. Yo, I've been Word. I've been sampling sounds like crazy on that NPC, man. I'm about to drop a serious pack on people. Oh Thank yeah, I, I, I see you on a you you in a rare form with that NPC live, man. Oh, I've been going crazy on this thing since since the last show. I, I've dug in deep, and uh, yeah, man, I got so much coming, man, so much coming. Yeah, I heard you got on that NPC live once you saw me on that shit. You know, that's <laughs> honestly like I try to follow Stony wherever she goes. That's that's what I'm trying to do. Like I'm trying to be like you. Yeah. Well, what's up, Stoney? It's been a what while. Up, what been? up, man? It's been a while, man. It's been for you to not be around. <laughs> it's been around. I've been busy just working on music, you know, working on my show, um, Stoney Sessions, every Saturday night on IG Live, mm-hmm. 9.30, and just building. You already know. Yeah, I like the show, too. Um, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on there. What was it, a few weeks now? It seems yeah. like it's been a minute, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a dope show. I like the, the format. So Stoney has a show on IG Live. Uh, Saturday nights. Yeah, nine thirty. Saturday nights at nine thirty, yeah. and uh, it's it's really a cool format. It's like um, you know, just catching up with Stony and and talking about uh, techniques and just about any and everything. But it's really like a, a kind of progressive sort of sort of show. I dig it. So yeah. So yo, um, ski. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so let's uh, since you're the special guest, we typically we get started with with the guest and then we talk about like some of the background. So uh, tell us uh, for those that that may be familiar, unfamiliar, or maybe not as familiar as they think, tell tell people a little bit about Ski Beats. Ski Beats, man. I'm a hip hop producer. I was born in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> I'm known for, you know, records, you know, mostly known for like the, the work I did with Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, mm-hmm. um, Camp Lowe's uh, first album, Uptown Saturday Night, um, you know, 24-Hour Christ School, Currency Pilot Talks, um, produced a lot of people, man. I mean, the list goes on, I could name, but it's a lot of names. Right. Like doing that. Hey, you know what, before we look, so look at this, I'm gonna tell you, I, you call your studio the dojo, right? Huh? Yeah, right? So this, check this out. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, y'all, I'm thinking in the <laughs> right? back, I, I so, love it. Yeah, when I, when I first got that, I said, you know, I showed one of my homeboys who's who's been into karate and jujitsu and all kinds of stuff for years. And he was like, now you got to call your lab the, the dojo. And then I realized you was calling your lab the dojo. So that's something we got in common. But uh, I just call it that just because that karate picture is back there. If that ever leave, it don't make sense after that. <laughs> you know what? The, the only reason I call my studios the dojo, and obviously that came from the, the time when I was uh, working on the 24-hour karate school. Mm-hmm, you know, we I called it the dojo simply because not because of any karate type stuff, just because it's a place for you know people to come and get their self disciplined from writers to producers. Right. 
We just come in and we train and we just, you know, try to stay disciplined, try to stay focused on, you know, the task at hand. So that's why we coined the phrase the dojo. Word, word. And unless you've been under a rock, he's had that for how many years now? Yeah, it's been many years. It's been a minute. Seven. Yeah. Word up. Hey, so let me tell you, I want to go back and let's talk about what kind of what kind of gear were you using back when you did? Because uh, I imagine, you know, you're gearhead like we gearheads and gear changes over the years. And, and sometimes the whole perspective on production changes depending on what you're using. But what were you using when you did Reasonable Doubt? Uh, reasonable Doubt, I was using the um, SP-1200 and the uh, Akai 950. Okay. Word, word. I saw something where you were talking about how you filtered, um, you know, you took like the samples. And that's a that's a the, the technique for some people that don't know. You take the sample, then you can filter the sample to get the baselines out of there. Use the same kind of chops. And yeah. that's kind of the techniques you was using back then, too, right? The low pass filter. You know, at the time, I couldn't play a bass and I didn't mm -hmm. have musicians at hand, but I always loved the, you know, the baselines that was in the sample. So, mm -hmm. you know, low pass filter it, add a little resonance, you can kind of get that. That bass sound to poke out even more. Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, let me ask a question about that. Um, yes. So nowadays we have so much more at our disposal, right? We've got all these plugins. You know, you got access to actual live, uh, live players that it's easy to actually record in your own space now. Whereas back then, you might have had like, you know, you might have had an old Roland VS or something. But like, really, like it, it wasn't as easy to track live as it is now. You know what I mean? So. Nowadays, do you find yourself when you use newer gear, like anything from a plug-in to a live player or whatever, do you find yourself at all trying to capture the old sound of when you would filter out the sample and get that baseline? So, so now it's like it's the opposite. Whereas before you were taking a sample, trying to make it sound like okay, now I have a bass player here. Now you might be doing the exact opposite. Now I got this this baseline, but I want to make it sound like an old filtered out sample. You see what I'm saying? Definitely, I might have a live bass guy come in, and I'll, I'll filter the sample. I'll filter his bass just to get that, you know, that that mm -hmm. muffle, that underwater stuff. You know what I mean? So I definitely use the old techniques with the new technology. That's a that's a plus of being from the '90s era. You know all these certain things that these new cats, you know, and they're kind of spoiled in a way because they got so much stuff that they can use. And back then, you know, we only had what 2.5 seconds and this and that, so we had to kind of like be more creative with it. So I remember all the old techniques from back then, and then I added to the new stuff. Yeah, that's what's up. I think that is the balance. That's that's the uh, the that's the positive end of it. When you come from when when you knew like it's the two thousand or the MPC sixty or even further back, whatever it was, it's certain techniques you come to know by using those kinds of pieces of gear, and yeah. then coming from that era, what the sound was, what it was, and then now it's all this technology. And the, to and, be able to blend the two is, is where the magic is. If you and and it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that, Corey, because even now when I'm working on production and doing all the new stuff, I don't even understand how a lot of the cats that are doing the new stuff right now could do the things that they're doing without some of the knowledge from the past, you know, because most of the stuff that we apply to the new stuff comes from being in the studio, comes from you know, the evolution of going from different levels, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being on an SSL and sitting there, you know, before automation, you, you know, you have to pan the, the two channels and you do all that stuff, those different techniques, you know, parallel EQing or parallel mixing, whatever. 
and you apply that to the software now. It's almost mm -hmm. like we're taking that old that old way of doing things, which I don't even really call it old. I, I just call it techniques. It's techniques. techniques. Yeah, because you know what though, we we in hip hop kind of have that kind of thing though. We we uh people tend to call stuff old or, right. or or there's this certain way that we address things that kind of go into the ageism realm. Whereas right. if we were not talking hip hop, it would just be like a recording technique or some kind of technique that originated from whatever it originated from, <laughs> right? And I ain't gonna even get into the Beatles thing because I don't wanna get Ken all riled up. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even old, it's just the fundamentals. Like yeah, fundamentals. absolutely. Cause even when, even when you were saying ski, ski, you know, was saying he used the SP 1200 and 950, everybody mm -hmm. knows if you had 950 that the base, some people, I think it was a scratch that originated it where you took the tone, the yeah. tone. You didn't even have a sample in 950. You took the tone and you mm -hmm. pitched that bitch down and mm -hmm. actually resampled the bass. I still do that with oscillators and, mm -hmm. and synthesis and, and Ableton and machine, anything. I could take a tone and then make that tone any instrument I want to make it. You know what I mean? But that came from that 950. Yeah, That's what know, I learned. Huh? What we used to do at the 950, instead of sampling the tone, Plug the mini back. Play the test. Yep. 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 Well, that was definitely one of our, uh, our uh, makeshift uh, bass sims back in the day. And that bass mm -hmm. is crazy. Crazy. Word. All that Buster Rhyme stuff, the scratchers, all that stuff came from that that tone and all. Ooh. And that, but, that is but a I, very but we still, I still apply that same. Too. Huh? That is a very distinctive bass tone, too. Absolutely. That's, that's some of the the stuff that really inspired me too because to, you know coming from a place where i was an mc first for many 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 years and running around the streets of chicago when i got tired of going you know from one side of town to the next side of town trying to find chemistry with cats i ended up buying my own npc and saying i'm just about to get on my beats eventually beats took precedent over MCing, but you know that's my foundation but yeah that stuff when I, I started making beats myself was that that can i ask you a question yeah. What was your first drum machine? What was your first piece of gear? SP1200. What? Oh, you was, you was fancy, nigga. You <laughs> <laughs> Listen, though, it's a crazy story because I was in college. And um, well, one of my homeboys, he had an SP1200, and I was in college. And while I was in college, I couldn't really focus because I was always writing rhymes and stuff. Right. I told mom, you know, save your money. I said, what you need to do, if you can get me this SP-1200, you know what? I, I, I can make it work. So she actually put it on layaway, and I got it, man, and, and, I, and I was hooked on that thing, man. That thing, man. That did so much work on the SP-1200, it's crazy. And, and I got to say, say one thing, and, and, you know, I tell everybody, you were the first dude that I ever seen, I mean, first hip-hop, urban, first black man I seen on Ableton. Period, mm. hands down. And I, I remember saying, watching. And then you were doing some crazy. Like you were the first, the first dude I seen making beats like hip hop beats on Ableton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away. Like, yo, what is this dude doing? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you get introduced to? Because you were the first. You like pioneered like that push for. Because when you were using Ableton, cats that were doing hip hop were not using Ableton like that. Because like, I read, I read the description of what the software was. Right. 
you can take you can take um you can take records and you can stretch it and you can get it in time and I'm like wait a minute that means I can sample a song I can put warp markers and I can chop it and move it around and make it do what I want to do I said yeah I'm learning this and so did I'm someone introduce that to you or did you like just did a, do the research on I just saw I kept seeing the software and I thought it looked weird you know I'm like yo because I was yeah, using it does look weird <laughs> <laughs> it still looks weird right I was using Pro Tools and what everybody else was using at the time. But I saw it, I thought it looked weird. And I always had like, you know, when you buy like a, a MIDI control or something, they were always giving you. in it, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I saw it, I said, fuck it, let me just see what this thing do, what it does. And then I, you know, I, I turned it on and that was it, I was on it. Now, how did they reach out to you? Cause you were the first dude doing like videos and stuff with them. Like, how did that happen? I don't even know, man. I think Jesse reached out to me. Okay. Shout out to Jesse. Yeah, yeah shout out to Jesse, that's the homie. That was Jesse. He reached out to me and just, you know, basically said he liked what I was doing and he wanted to come shoot a video with me. And that's wow. how we did that video. That was crazy. I didn't know what it, you know what? I just said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I didn't know what. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what this is going to be. <laughs> let's do it, though. You know what? So that, that's another thing. What well, somebody in the chat just said, he's the reason I bought Ableton. So that's, uh, I'm glad that that was like official that you rocked with them and, and you know, because that, you know, you inspire people to use it. You know what I mean? My, for me, I got to say, Ableton has never really been for me. And I've tried to get in it. And I can make whatever I'm doing on anything else in Ableton. But it just, I think it's just not the environment for me. But but you're right. It's mad advanced in a lot of ways. I feel like Ableton's got, Ableton is, is so close to being what I really want. But at the same time, it still has this distance from, feeling like i can do it all right from push like that because that's really what i want is like i want that that hands-on appeal of working with you know working with the mpc working with machine that kind of stuff but i want to be able to get those deeper functionalities that aren't in machine aren't in a mpc that are in ableton but i you know i want them to be fluid in the same way you know what i'm saying like so and, and i think it's getting there i think it, the last few updates have really grown like you can actually change your inputs right from the hardware now like that's such a little thing but it makes such a big workflow difference when you're actually in the lab like changing things around and sampling from different sources and that kind of thing like i feel like they're on that path to to get into where we want it to be i just need it to be a little bit more fluid and, and hands-on you know you know what what i love about ableton as a company is that they really listen to their users man absolutely you know? You know, everything I ever wanted, they always figured out a way to make it happen, man. You know? So I wouldn't be surprised if Ableton's they're gonna hit us with something cool. They got to. So let me yeah, ask you this, Keith. How how did you go from because Ableton is so advanced and then you went to working with machine, like how did you what what made you switch up like what made you go from, from that to that? Like um, the reason I switched to machine at that time was because of what really caught me with machine, one of my friends gave me a machine. Okay. I sat in my studio for like a year. Oh, man. It was. <laughs> it was plastic. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of light. It was plastic. Mm -hmm. I had an MPC 2500. I'm like, yo, man, this is a toy. What is this? <laughs> plugged it up. You know, I like learning about new shit. So I plugged it up, checked out the software, and um, I sat down with it for a couple of hours, and I just kind of figured it out. I was like, oh, okay, I see how this works. I like right. the whole copy pad function. I saw I could chop samples quicker, yada, 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 yada. And I could basically get the same sound I was getting from my MPC with it. So I rocked with it, you know, and it was super small. And it was, mm -hmm. and I didn't have to plug it in the wall. 
Right, right. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, that portability and, yeah. and all of that, that kind of changed the game. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah. That's what's up. So let me let me ask you. So like, OK, so getting back so you, you was rocking the SP 1200 and then you went to uh, to what? Were you still rocking the SP 1200 by the time you you did Uptown Saturday night? I went to I did uh, all regional doubt with the SP 1200. I did all of Uptown Saturday night with the MPC 3000. OK, OK. Yeah. Word. What was the uh, what was the cause for the change there? Was it just you? you so you, are you just constantly going to new gear just because you're interested in the gear or is it that's just what was available to you at the right. time or what a little bit of both man plus you know when i thought the reason with doubt they had gave me a, a, a ton of bread so i said yo i'm about to give me a three thousand <laughs> <laughs> i'm about to go to the store <laughs> <laughs> you know if you know me you know that i'm a motherfucking gearhead i love to learn shit. I always like to learn because i you know I, I get bored quick with shit Get the, get the wood panels on everything, Ski. Everything. <laughs> I got the wood panels on my uh, my uh, X, right? I see you. I see you. I saw you it the there. other day too. I saw it the I other day. You. And you know what? People were hating on on those wood panels. Not not from the picture that you put up, but I seen yeah. other people hating on. And I'm like, but I kind of dig it. Like the initial picture. This is not. It's just the initial picture with the white background or whatever it was. I don't know what it was, but the initial picture from the from NPC stuff. I'm like, I ain't digging that. Then I saw skis in the context of sitting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, that looks dope. Not like what I thought initially, though. Man, my shit look like furniture right now, nigga. My shit is dope. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's what's up. Straight up, man. Hey, so like, that's another thing, though. I'm, I'm a firm believer in when gear looks good, it's inviting, it's inspiring. Now, let me, you know I mean? can, I, now, can I ask this real quick? Like, um, I remember, I think Ski and I, we had a conversation. You might not even remember, but um, I remember you were like, yo, man, I'm going to go to Dubspot and I'm going to start digging into the synthesis stuff. And I remember, I swear, I remember the day that we had that conversation. And then to see you doing what you're doing now is just inspirational. I want to put that out there, period. Word. And I mean, as you can see his setup back there, he got the, the modular stuff lit in the back. But I remember, I remember you were doing the machine stuff and you were like, yo, I'm about to do this. And you actually, and I'm sharing this with people because you're, you know, you're one of the top, you know, you're legendary. And so for you to go and say, you know what, I'm gonna go to Dove Spot and I'm gonna go learn from people and I'm gonna go and educate myself about stuff. It's inspiring that even with all the information you've had over the years and all the records and experience, you still are always the consummate student. I'm the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like gotta be what made you what made you say, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go and sit with this dude or that dude or whoever. Well, you even sat with anyone to to start learning synthesis what made you feel like you had to do you wanted to do that because back in the day i had a um uh, what's that thing sc1 remember the sc1 oh from on, studio uh, come on man mm -hmm. I, I sc1 and i saw all of these words and terminologies and things i had no idea what it was and right. i always wanted to use it and i could only get one bass sound out of it <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up selling it you know i got rid of it because i didn't know what it was and i told myself yo i gotta learn about creating sounds. I got to learn about, you know, synthesis. I got to learn about sound waves and filters and LFOs. I got to know what this stuff is. I, I need to know because it's always been an, 
you know, just bugging me in the back of my brain, like, yo, dude, learn this stuff. But mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I thought when you first think about it, you think it's like something that's going to be overwhelming and it's going to be a lot of math and you're going to be like, nah, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take my creativity. It's going to take away from me just going hard. But it didn't. It actually enhanced what I was doing. You feel me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To create your own whatever is, is dope. Like, that's my sound. You can't have my sound because that's my sound. That's these cables, it's over. You don't get that. Right. That's kind of the, the same thing with me, Ski. The, the big thing about it is that uh, one is like you just want to go somewhere else to be able to kind of identify your own thing. And right. then, yo, like you can't use that sound because once I unplug it, I might not be able to get back to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But and that's what's dope. Like uh, with 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 modular synthesis specifically, you can have a bunch of the same stuff. Like we could have a bunch of the same modules. And our sounds are still going to be different. And then my my push with it was that, like, yo, I want to do this because I want to push the envelope a little bit in hip hop. It, it, and it can still be just as dope as anything right. by incorporating modular synthesis into what I'm already doing. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to be honest. You and Ski are the only two guys. I mean, outside of, like, Rich Divine and a bunch of other sound designers. But in terms of hip hop, like, what you guys are doing with synthesis is its own genre, bro. Mm -hmm. That's oh, why I like, call it mod bap. That's what's up. B Boy Tech is the inventor of mod bap. Yeah, he's. he's I used to go to B Boy Tech's page and watch him do all, like <laughs> taking drum sounds and and making him do things. I'm like, yo, how is he doing this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely an inspiration. You're like one of the reasons why I started. And my man, I don't know his real name, but Voltage Control on um. Yeah, yeah, Shiro. Yeah, yeah Shiro is dope. Yeah, you know, Shiro, man, we got to get him on the show too. We yeah, do. yeah, yeah. You, know, you, guys, you guys are definitely the originators and the inventors of it. You feel me? I remember yeah. when I remember when when I first started getting the modular stuff. I was talking to St. Joe at SoundsAndGear.com, right? So I was mm -hmm. talking to Joe, and I was saying to Joe, I was like, "Yo, I really want to get into modular." Like this is years ago, and I was like, "Man, I really want to do it, but it's it's a serious investment." And he was like, "Man, come on, just do it." And I was like. I thought about it for a while and I was like, man, I don't see anybody using it in a hip hop context. Mm. And he was just like, man, make that your lane. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I think I'll start doing it. So I got a small case. I got like, I think I started out with three modules total. Like, and, and that was three modules over the course of like three months, a module a month. Cause you know, I ain't rich. So, <laughs> so I started hooking that up, man. I hooked it up to machine and, and I got a little MIDI going. And next thing you know, like, sampling up beats and making beats like that and then and then Corey was i was talking to Corey. and Corey was like man i think i think i'm gonna get that yeah yeah <laughs> Corey stepped in like a like a boss it was just like yo all right i'm gonna get that and then i'm gonna get this wood grain case he got this art for the ears case that was like yeah it was dope that's my my yeah, that case shout out to because that i feel like i feel like that's like when you feel like you get your first car <laughs> You'd be like, yo, my first car, even though it's an 86 Pontiac Sunbird, <laughs> you come up to the spot like, nigga, look. <laughs> Corey Stone, oh, no, I, I, like, I remember when you got that and I was just like, man, come on. <laughs> yo, Corey, I feel this. I, I trust me. I feel the same way. I was talking to Ski probably last month and we were talking. We didn't even talk that long. And I was like, man, Ski, I ain't got no modular stuff. I don't got nothing. He was like, Man, you, you just start with one piece. Just start with one piece, right? And then, um, so now I got the mother thirty-two, and I'm just like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that gateway drug. I got that. Look, I got the mother thirty-two, but I'm I'm feeling myself, and I'm looking at it like, 
Yeah. And it's just one little piece. I'm like, okay, okay. You know what? I, I see why they call it Euro Crack because I started with like, I started with the Mother 32. Right. I got the Zero Coast and mm -hmm. I started putting them together. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Then I said, oh, I'm going to get one case. No, I said, I'm going to get one skiff. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> one, one little roll, right. <laughs> you know what? And now I got to get a, a, one, a case like you guys now because I want more modules because mm -hmm. you know what I love about modules, man? Because it's like, it's like, Thinking about one idea, like I'm, I'm gonna make this do this and do that. And as soon as you plug that bitch up, it does something. One something different that you couldn't even thought of if you would have tried to think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, but that, but your, your setup looking looking crazy over this. See, I want something small like that. I'm not trying to be like Corey in in, in the Nebuchadnezzar or anything like that. I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Stoney, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So, Ski's getting ready to get a new case, a, a, a big, full new case. Like, he might not know it, but he is going to get it. Right. He's going to make him. Of but course. he's going to get a real, like, like a, a real producer's case soon. <laughs> so, that case is going to be unused. Like, Listen, I'm just saying. I'm Ski, trying to shoot my shot right up? now, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to shoot my shot. I'm going to too. Don't worry about it. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, yeah. it's just not, man. It's just, it's so much more fulfilling than, and I'm not taking any. Matter of fact, let me just make this disclaimer. I love sampling. I'm obviously a sample based producer. Mm -hmm. That's where I came mm -hmm. from. But I've been sampling since '86, so I'm tired of sampling records. Right. I'm tired of digging and dropping needles. You feel me? And this whole modular thing just gave me like a second burst of like, yo, I love it. Right, right. So I want to make a beat. Like it, it was times where I just sit down with records. You know, sometimes it takes forever to find one little sample that you want to use. If that's not tired, you're going to sleep. I'll do it tomorrow, like you know. <laughs> right, right. Plug that shit up. I want to get some ideas going quick. You feel me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The modular definitely helps you get that. I'm and I was going to ask about you that, that is also that oh, you can God. you can use the modular like in so many in so many different ways. Like I try to tell people in all honesty, like, yo, it's cool to have a ton of cash and just drop like thirty five hundred dollars on a nice modular system right out the gate. But if you do it the way that I did it, where like I got a single module at a time, you learn to use that module in ways that you wouldn't normally learn how to use it. There's yeah. so many ways to use like a filter that you wouldn't even think of. You can use a filter to slew your CV as as a glide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like these are kinds of things that like maybe if I wasn't broke, I wouldn't know about. You know what I'm saying? You like, know, you know, you know, when we initially got into this, when like I remember you you was doing, I was like, yo, I'm gonna jump into modular. Then I and, and I remember you gave me the advice. You was like, yo, one module at a time. And I was like, got you, one module at a time. And right. then two months later, it was like 20 modules at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember at the same time, we were having conversations back then and you were like, man, I don't even have time to like, to like learn every single module right now. Like I'm just mm -hmm. patching it up. And yeah. like, don't get me wrong, it sounded dope either way, mm -hmm. but it's like, man, it like there's so much, it's such a rabbit hole as far as how much you can actually learn. But you know what? But you, you can know mess what? with a plugin. You can mess with a plugin for so long and, and learn a ton about the, about synthesis from a plugin. But when you start actually patching the signal flow yourself, right. you yeah. learn so but, much so but fast. But you know, but you know what, Ken? You know what, Ken? That speaks to production in general. That's like you know when you meet because we meet a bunch of people that ask us about gear and stuff like that. And somebody will say to me, yo, I bought the machine, I bought the push, I got the MPC live. And I'm like, man, you bought all three of those things at the same time? That's crazy. Like, 
I mean, one piece a year, mm-hmm. one piece a year. I would tell a cat, yo, don't even go to the next piece until you know the uh, the first one first. It's the same thing. It's like having way too much too soon. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to figure it all out. So you know? in, in my case, I'll tell you what was cool about me because I do the B-Boy Tech Report. Um, what was cool about that is going to NAM, and then I, I saw Pittsburgh Modular and I met those guys there. And um, they had the system 90 or something, and it had it had the DNA module in there. It was like symbiotic, symbiotic DNA module. So it was a digital module, like an eight-bit sort of digital module, and it was crazy. So they sent me the system to review. Mm. And good Jesus, I kept that system for like eight months. And and you know, as soon as I plugged it in, I knew it was a wrap. I was like, oh man. So that was my first little modular setup, and it was a skiff. Um and it, it kind of blew my mind. And when I started looking at it is like, you know, I worked on for, for a while becoming better at sampling in general and sampling chopping. It's your craft. You work on getting better at it. But then I started getting sort of like what you said, Ski, not to take anything away from it, but I kind of felt like I wasn't, it, I, I felt like I can go a little bit further. Like, you know what I mean? Like without com- being confined, because you can get creative with anything. But then I started looking at synthesis and modular synthesis like it was vinyl you know what i'm saying like these are just sounds i could use all the same techniques that i've come up on and and start to do a whole new thing you know what i'm saying and then then the effects part of modular we could start routing stuff out of the sample out of the drum machines into that joint and creating all new sounds it's crazy from that point plus, can I, plus is plus is more fulfilling because it's coming from you yeah yeah, yeah. For you real. created it Right from start. Now, to now let me ask you something, Ski. Did you did you ever use Reactor or Reactor Blocks? Totally, totally. That was now, one of the now, um, that was one of the courses that you had to learn when I took that um, that thing at Dubspot. So I definitely know about Blocks. I definitely know about Reactor. I now, can, now, how did you feel? But like once you, because I'm I'm curious because I'm going through the same transition right now from the software version of things to the hardware. How did you feel? Like what 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 were like the pros and cons of like going from the software, like what do you like about the software and don't like versus the actual physical aspect of it? Yeah, what I what I liked about the software was the software basically taught me how to patch. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. will teach you what a CV is, it'll teach you how to, you know, your control. But to have the actual module and you're picking up chords and doing this, you actually engage with some, some mm-hmm. shit. Like you engage with actual electricity, nothing right. be. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, Looking the mouse is, uh, you know, that's kind of boring. Fuck that. I want to touch yeah. the core. I want to plug it in. I want to turn the knob. I want to do it myself. I want to fill it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's, it's next level too, because when you get to doing all that, and like you said, some stuff will come out like the wildness, the controlled wildness almost of it is kind of inspiring to me. Like you get into a place where you like, you know, I know why that's doing that. I might not know why this is doing that, but together it's kind of crazy. Then when I threw the MPC into the mix and being able to uh, have that the the clocking and the timing, you know what I mean? Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So being able to clock and time things and keep things in sync, but then still have some of that randomness of the module in there. That's right. For me, the random stuff is is where things can get really interesting, and I'm I'm really happy that. You look at the popularity that modulars gained, and mm-hmm. it's rubbing off on a lot of standalone and software as well. Yeah. Like you're starting to see a lot of modular stuff that's popular in that community 
coming into as features for drum machines and whatnot. You look drum at things like and, Drum Brute having random right on it. You know, mm -hmm. you're starting to see the, these yeah. kinds of techniques are are making their way into more mainstream pieces of gear. I mean, look at the, look at the X. I've, the X, the X has CV on it. Yeah, 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 yeah no doubt. And, and I, I personally believe that like modular isn't necessarily for everybody in every application. Like to me. Right. Like, you know, it's dope for what it is, but at the same time, it can also slow people down. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it depends on what you're after and what you you want. So the fact that a lot of standalone gear now and, and software is taken from that and you're seeing a lot of that aspect in it is a really great thing. Because now you're not, you don't have to have, you know, 15 grand worth of modular gear to get a lot of that same action going on these days you know whereas right. before well, you might not have even had an opportunity to it you know it, it speaks to that whole thing like when you think about semi-modular things like i'm gonna put the camera i'm gonna lock the camera on you can because oh you, no you got you got the matrix brute that with all that you know modular interfacing on it then then there's things like uh the neutron so and and the mother 32 and all that right so uh uh, and then the, the 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 things like the Mini Brute Two S Two whatever it is Two S and the Mini Brute Two, like those things are like opening up new worlds for people. Like, and you don't you don't even have to go all the way modular and go through the rabbit hole. But there's there's something that's so dope about being able to take a piece of gear and plug it in and out and and see how the sound changes once you start to see like there's a there's a thing about learning and a thing about sort of sort of passion between what you think and what you touch right when a person's learning to write and they're, they're right that's why they say when you write stuff you learn it better i feel like that's the same thing with modular whereas i had sense and i'm like i sort of get what an lfo is i sort of understand what this and that right. is doing but when i start taking my hands and patching those cables into a thing and hearing the sound between the brain and my the actual touch of it is what made me start to get it and understand it it's now corey that's now, now corey here's the crazy thing for me i actually what you're describing the way that i feel about um audio engineering i know mm -hmm. it's gonna sound crazy but like when when I when I got on an SSL and you know you had like you know your outboard gear you got your compressors and your limiters and everything and Ski Ski could actually speak to this too because he understands it um, when when you're taking those patch cables and you're in, on an SSL board and you have to take a, a microphone and bring it to the compressor and bring it out and then bring it to a limiter and then actually physically put the chain of effects in in, in it, like with the wires, with the cables, yeah, it changes. It, it it changes how you pro like. So when I when I started mixing and doing things in Pro Tools, and you start seeing plugins, like now you get a plugin, you just drop a plugin on the channel. You know what mm -hmm, I'm saying? Mm -hmm, As mm -hmm. opposed to you know, if you're on an SSL and you're in a real recording studio, you have to actually patch that stuff in. It's very different when you're patching it in, and then you're in front of a 1176, and you're actually dialing those right, those right. parameters in right. you know what i'm saying that's kind of our like, experience yeah you're experiencing mm -hmm. it you actually you know what a seven eleven seventy six. you know you you actually plugged in a use a u47 and let it warm up so you can hear the difference but when i had those patch cables and you know you're sitting in front of an ssl and you're like okay so how am i gonna you know what am i gonna use for these vocals how am i gonna cut these vocals you literally have to physically do it and mm -hmm. that's how I kind of that's how I feel about like the modular stuff. It's that feeling where you can 
go in and actually, you know what you're doing. You're not guessing by just randomly dropping a plugin yeah. <laughs> on a track and hoping that it does what it's supposed to do. You actually know what to dial in instead of using presets. You know what's dope? You know what's dope? What I like is now I can kind of like have it in my head and I can kind of know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Level where you kind of know how to do it. Right. Know exactly what's going on with your equipment. That's like some other shit. That's like a mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a high. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's, that's when you really on it, like when you can really plug up and you can make exactly happen what you want to happen. It's like, that's a, it's a euphoric sort of thing. I, yeah. I feel you on that. That's yeah. real. Okay. Hey, let me, let me jump into this. I want to ask something because, because it's something else about this, this whole beat making culture that we all exist in and, and, you know, the internet kind of helped provide new opportunities for producers and beat makers that didn't really exist before. And I feel like there's a shift in the culture. There's a paradigm shift where back in the day, and I'm looking at this, I got this uh, this painting by Justin Bua. It's, it's not the actual painting, it's a print. Justin Bua is a dope artist. And it's a DJ picture where he got uh, the label of the record blanked out, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's cultural in hip hop and in DJ culture where cats didn't want to be telling you the breaks and stuff that they was using in the records they was using and samples they was using. Unless you was tight, like, you know, Pete Rock and Q-Tip and <laughs> Large Professor right. would probably share with each other because they fam. But ultimately, you wasn't sharing samples and all that. Nowadays, the internet is here in this beat-making culture and how we all kind of get down online and all this stuff. Now there's this flip to, now we're selling sample packs. Um, and, and you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's this whole culture that's a shift. Like, how you feel about, and I know you, you, you sell sample packs and make sample packs and stuff too. How you feel about that shift and, and where we are right now as a beat making culture with that kind of thing? I mean, you know, obviously we're living in the age where you can share everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's dope, man. I, I don't knock it because, you know, I remember, man, when I was coming up, you know, I had to reach out to producers like Clark Kent. And other mm -hmm. producers that, who gave me sounds, you know what I'm saying? Just 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 on the strength because it was family. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's always cool, man. It's just a cool thing to share, man. It's to share things, you know. And if you can get paid at the same time while you're sharing, why not? You feel me? That's what's up. So I think that's the key though, right? Like it's the sharing age. So I'm yeah. cool with it like that. But I definitely noticed that there was a huge shift from like, yo. I can share this with everybody versus like keep it to yourself. But then it was a different kind of environment. We're living in the information age, baby. Everybody's getting that information. Yeah, you know? that's it. That's it. That's what's up. So what's the what's the name of your is it Soundblock? Is that your your yeah, that, uh that's my um that's my company when I'm selling sounds at Soundblock. Right, right. Okay. And what's up with the backpack? Because I like that you do merchandise like that too. How'd you come come sound to this, like, the sound pack? Yeah, sound. uh my girl, I was telling her I needed a bag to carry my stuff in because you know she makes bags and shoes and stuff like that. Okay. Um, she said, "Oh, I can make you a bag." So she started with uh, this little keyboard bag she made for me, which was cool. And mm -hmm. I said, "I need something for my machine. I need something for my machine." And so she started designing the bag, and I, I had a, a old MPC pad laying around that wasn't an MPC. And she dropped it on the material and said, "What you think about that?" I'm like, oh, "Do that." <laughs> you feel me? Word, word. That's what's up. That's dope. Um, so so what's up? So are you guys gonna make some some bags and some cases for the for the modular stuff? With mm, I don't know. I, I should ask him. 
<laughs> he like that's a good idea <laughs> that's what's up hey so and and so have you always done like sound design like i think we have talked on the show before all of us i think by kind of it's just a natural thing to sound design right like most of us are sound designing while we're producing it's a part of the process i remember the first time i was on the show with with uh ken he was asking about something similar to that. And I was like, yeah, I just kind of think of it as part of the process. You kind of just like you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're crafting this sound of the, the beat that you're doing or production that you're doing. Those right. sounds kind of get crafted along with that process, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, I was always sound design, sound designing, even if I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. like, I was putting things like in a MPC 3000, you know, I was using the attack and the decay and the filters and using the LFOs and stuff. Not really not knowing what it really was, but I was using it. You feel me? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That was kind of like my little introduction, I guess, to sound design at the time. And I didn't know I was sound designing. Yeah. And you know, the, the dope thing about sound designing and, and creating your own sounds, it definitely sharpens your ear when you start mixing your records because you'll be fucking with frequencies so much. So much, yeah. You know how your shit's supposed to sound. You know, you know how to move things around. You're using mm -hmm. tools like you're using filters, you know. It, it's all relevant, man. It all mm -hmm. relates. Yeah, it is. It's all good. Um, <clears throat> so, I right, Stoney, when are you going to drop off in this uh, this modular world? What are we going to have to do to get you there? Come on, Stoney. First of all, see, I, I got the Mother 32. You, you're getting in. You That's know, um, I got Ski's new case, you know. <laughs> I got, um, I've got a... Uh, I, I got I got I got the I got the pieces in the in the garage that Corey's been saving for me, you know. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> Yo, uh so so one thing I'll say about that is um when so when you were digging for records, right? Because I think all of us in here enjoy digging for records, period. Like, you know, whether you use it that much in your in your albums these days, you know, is, is another story. But I, I still enjoy digging for sounds. I like I like the process of it, right? But back in the day, I used to dig for records and you you remember the old records, especially like from the 70s and before it would list what instruments were on there like you could literally read arc 2600 is like right on the on the like they would tell you exactly what instruments were being used right, so right. i used to read those records like oh man i wish i could have that synthesizer man i wish i oh he did this with it imagine what i could do if i had that in my hands so right. that's kind of where the whole modular thing started for me because i used to sample like sabotnik records and you know mm -hmm. just going through uh a, a lot of that stuff you would you know even earth wind and fire like you you would see i miss those days man. i'm just being able you know? to read what they used yeah 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 you don't right? get to see that stuff that much these days however you do get youtube videos and get to see Corey henry going to town and what you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, to me, that's like the the younger generation. They got to be looking at Corey Henry and saying, "Oh, he's using a King Korg on this, or he's mm -hmm. using you know the the sub fatty on that." Like you know what I mean? Like they got to be watching that. At least if they're smart, I would you know because I do. <laughs> you know what? That, I'm gonna tell you. Just the other day, I was interacting with Peter Brown on Instagram because mm -hmm. um, I noticed. Peter Brown followed me on Instagram. I was like, I don't know is that the original, the actual guy, Peter Brown. You know what I'm saying? Do you want to get funky with me? Uh, wow. You know? <laughs> right? So I looked up and I said, yo, is this Peter Brown? He was like, yeah, that's me. And I was like, bro, I actually bought an ARP, uh, 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 ARP Odyssey 
because of you. Because Peter Brown, that album, For Your Love, like if you look up Peter Brown, For Your Love, and just listen to that joint in 98, me and my dudes was was about to, we actually we sampled that and made a joint with it um, back in Chicago. And just the flavor of it was next. And I always, like, that was such a sample heavy joint. And he tells you, I use an art axe or whatever it is. He used to represent uh, art back in the day. Right. Um, but just that flavor, the way it sounded, and I knew, like, I liked that song so much that I knew I was like, I'm gonna have to buy an art. So that like the inspiration of that, knowing what that sound was, is next level, man. The um, thing that got me was Herbie. Like, like Herbie is a monster. Like Watermelon Man. Like, man, I remember hearing those records, and and I was just like, because my dad didn't really listen to it, but like the records were in the house, and and man, I was just like, oh my god, this is so different. Like. I need mm -hmm. that. Like, what is that? I remember the first time really recognizing what a spring reverb was because on some some old experimental records, they would use like tape loops and spring reverbs. And I was just like, that stuff sounds crazy. Like, and we'd, be, and we'd be remiss to like leave Stevie Wonder out of that. Of course. Yeah, for real. Of course. Tonto, come on. Are you kidding me? Like, yo, you know what I love? Synthesizer alone was like, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, yeah. I need to live there. <laughs> Hey, so so what was that? What was that? It's a documentary that where the dudes that made Tonto, they were talking about how they put out that record, some kind of weird record. It was like, yo, we wasn't even sure it was music. It was the early 70s and I, it was just I, some I weird that. experimental stuff. And we put it out. And he said a couple months later, uh, Stevie Wonder came knocking at the studio yes, with their record that. under his great. arm. And he was like, show me how y'all did them sounds. And yep. yo, 10 years or something, it was in the studio nonstop making all the classics we love. Now, when I fast forward that, I kind of look at my bap as the natural progression of where it was already. It's like, <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's just that's what it is. Yeah, but at the same time, you made it cool. You made it cool to use modular in hip hop. Well, yeah, it, it, you guys I think, are making it really cool because a lot of times people associate it with noise. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah, right. That's my Musical. problem with it. That was one of my big issues with modular was. At the time that that I first got into it, hey Ken, there, thanks for cutting me off, man. Oh, I did it again, right? <laughs> I just I gotta just you, you know we had the conversation this morning about your behavior. No, right? we had the I brought the conversation. I, told I, told you, I said you better be. This is funny. I told you. I said you better be stronger. Cut <laughs> <laughs> you off. That's your fault. I, listen, hold on, look, I ain't no beats, boy. <laughs> Okay, no. I was playing. I digress. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, shout out to ADD. What's up? Um, so, what I was saying though, I don't remember. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about um, we we're talking about synthesis. But real quick, um, now was now, now correct me on the Cosby Show. Was that a Pugla song that uh, Stevie Wonder had on the show? Oh, with uh, baby, baby, baby. Yeah. I don't know was what that a Google song or was that a um? Oh shit! What keyboard was that? You guys know what show I'm talking about? Yeah, the the episode where Stevie Wonder was on the bit on the Cosby Show, and they went to the studio, <laughs> and uh, he sampled all their voices and was like, you know, triggering the samples of them. When you said ski, drop it on them. Drop it on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> baby, baby, Rob. baby, baby. That was crazy. <laughs> right, right. Uh, was it a fair light? Maybe it was a fair light. Chaz, be in the chat. Maybe it was a fair light. Mm. I don't know. Hey, let me let me 
cut anybody off who's about to talk because I literally like went back and watched so that I could remember what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> so right, what, no, what Stoney was saying was that a lot of it was noise. And that that's that was one of the things that made me want to make modular music, hip hop music, mm -hmm. because I was sampling the Sabotnik stuff that like, like, dude, Silver Apples on the Moon was dope. But I was like, man, there's not really like a lot of like cool backbeat going on. Like that's not what kind of music it was, but I was using it in that way. So when I got into the the modular, I was like, I wanted to not make just crickets and bug noise. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted to like I wanted to actually make crickets and bug noise, but then sample it so that it's rhythmic and use it in my beats. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it was when I was doing that kind of stuff and, and Corey and I were talking and Corey was like, yo, I'm gonna start. Because Corey actually coined the phrase mob bap. Like, I remember the conversation that we had about it. And Corey was like, yo, I'm going to start I'm gonna start calling this mob bap. I was like, all right, dude. dude you know, it, was, like, it, was, it was a couple things that happened. I started using a lot of synths before I got into a lot of modular. And so I was doing synth bap. And I was, I put that's out. That's what a, it was, a, yeah. A, right? I put out an album called Synth Bap. And I still actually have a, a couple volumes to do that to, to fulfill what my initial thing was with that. But synth bap but then when i got into modular it just naturally kind of made sense to call it mod bap and because it always has that that boom bap sensibility and what we're trying to do and shiro is actually somebody i think he put out a couple records he may be one of the first people i know of that put out records but it was like uh the, the phrase hadn't really been coined yet so she what i love though, yeah, yeah for real and, 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 and rice upright yeah, upright upright which which is a problem like Yo, mm -hmm. upright. There needs to be like a, there needs to be like a, Kickstarter campaign or something to get upright making putting out new albums because like he, he was killing it too and, it was all this stuff was done in a way that I I personally feel like a lot of the modular community is way too far up its own ass like way too far up its own ass like, mm -hmm. they're doing things where like. If you if you're using samplers along with your with your modular, they're like, okay, well that's not modular music, and you know it has to be strictly modular. And if it's outside of your rack, that's not okay. And like, but you get that too on the hip hop side too. Yeah, like, no to look at and look at the euro, the any kind of too much synth and too much modular, and cats will be like, yo, that ain't real. That ain't that ain't hard though. But I'm just my, yeah, my me, thing is like, I think I think you can make you can make them joints coexist. I, I'm like, look, dude, it's another tool in the studio. Like, why are you trying to act like it's not? No, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. look, you think uh, technique, um, uh, turntables, you think they wanted motherfuckers to go turn on their shit when right. they made? Oh. <laughs> well, I have heard rumors, and, and I'm not going to say any specifics, but I've heard rumors of specific modular manufacturers not being especially happy about the hip hop community adopting modular. So, really? Like, oh, I know that. I know that. Actually, I I know that there's well, certain that's people we out talk. there. Yeah, we talk. There's certain people out there that look down on that. Like that's that's why I look at it like this. Hip hop has always taken stuff that wasn't meant for us to use and making it into what we do. That's the culture. That's so it. good luck. Whatever you invent, if it do something that one of us start to think is cool, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's the way you gotta look at it. Mm-hmm. This is this is how hip hop is. I mean, hip hop is an amalgamation of a lot of things, man. Like you said, nobody, the turntable wasn't invented for you to be pulling it, pushing it, pulling it back and forth like that. 
You know what I mean? And and Flash went out and basically made a crossfader because he had electric electronic background of some sort. You know what I'm saying? And so can I can I ask you guys a quick question though? Is it is it a, is it the the reason why they feel negative about it? Is it a cultural thing? They're snobby. They're snobby. They're yeah. Yeah. really culture. Mm -hmm. Why a why are they thing. like that? Why what what kind of what is that? Hey, Stoney, just to give you perspective, right? When I started it, I had it took me months to even get started because there was no like easy to read anything about cases, about mm -hmm. power supplies, like about how to hook up, hook it all up. And right. keep in mind, like where I'm at, there wasn't any modular store just right down the street. You know, you couldn't right, just go in right. and be like, oh, let me mess with this. So I, as I went through it, I documented my process. I put up like an intro to Eurorack thing oh, on my yeah, website to help people yeah, out because I was like, dude, you shouldn't have to go through this. And reading on like Muff Wiggler's forum, there was a lot of people who felt that the barrier to entry, the, the complicated aspect of power and cases and like, and granted, it's not that complicated, but if you've never done it before, if you've yeah, never even seen it or touched it, it's confusing. Mm -hmm. And they thought that that was a good thing. They thought this barrier to entry prevents people from getting into this culture that we don't like. That's honestly like, that's a legit, it's not even hidden. Like it, it was a very prominent theme throughout forums and people that I talk to and like, cause I was hitting up people left and right. Like, look, I want to get into this, but I don't have money to burn and fail. You mm. know what I mean? Like I have to, if I spend money, I have to succeed because it, it's, I, dude, that's my money. Like that's bills. Sure. I got kids. You work hard for your money. No matter what it is you do for work, work hard for your money. That money got there. You don't just blow it. The, the culture <laughs> has gotten like the, the, the Euro rack and modular culture has gotten a lot better since then. But it still has a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Well, and then too, I gotta say, like, okay, so is it, is it an old, is it an older culture? Is it is it like older older? You know, so I I would jump out and say that hey, it's a it's a suburban middle class white guy thing. Um, okay. Which I would say, by and large, it, it more more than likely is. That being said, um, there's definitely like plenty of minorities that are involved. But it's it's like these very small communities and they don't like to um, it, it, it's almost like so if you go into a producer forum and somebody asks a basic question and you get a lot of RTFM and people like cussing people out because, hey, you know, you should have known this. But it's newbies just trying to learn like this is not, you know, it, this isn't national right. security we're dealing with. This is people trying to have fun and create, um, you know, so. The fact that even though there are like minorities and there are females, you know, in the modular scene, even they were um, a part of this barrier to entry aspect. Like mm. I it's an elitism that just mm. I think it's part of like, hey, I had to go through this struggle. So now you have to right. Now, granted. There were other people that were certainly friendly and helpful. Mm -hmm. But it was a prevailing, it was definitely a prevailing theme that, that I kept running into, you know? I'm going to tell you, though, too, I don't really see it as much different than the way I felt when certain acts took hip-hop and made it commercial. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if it's much different than that. There's something that you feel, you know, some ownership to, 
and things that resonate with you because before we knew it was called hip hop, we was in no matter where you was, whether it was New York or Chicago or North Carolina or Philly or wherever you was, certain things that was happening in the hood at a, at a certain time was later started to be called hip hop. But then, so there's this, this kinship and this love and this cultural sort of thing that happens that you come to, to be very familiar with and you just have a passion for it. Then when MC Hammer shows up, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and starts watering things down. And not to take anything away from Hammer, because when you look back, that was that was a certain milestone that hip hop needed. But you know, it, it just it's it's not very different than that whole thing that happened in hip hop. You we we you know, we'll look down our nose like uh-uh, get that that whack shit out of here. Nobody wanna hear that. That ain't real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think it's the same thing. So flip the script and put it in modular. This has been modular cat scene for however many years it was and it was a little known fact and all the great things and beautiful things about it it is what it is but then when other people start coming in and doing it and using it differently than what whatever has been used traditionally then that can be a sore spot for a lot of people so i don't see it as very different than what happened in other things i mean you could talk about inside the community they have these ridiculous things that were going on at that same time. I see it less now, but at that same time, there were people that were angry about digital modules in, in modular. Like, yeah, right. It had to be yeah. analog too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it's gotta be analog. It's gotta be this, it's gotta be that. Like there, there was just a lot of like nitpicking and bullshit that would, that would go out through these communities. And I think, you know, I mean, that's fine. If you want to close yourself off to the world, like if that's the way you want to live your life, that's cool. But just, you know, don't come at me with it because I'm going to blow you wide open. Like, you know what I mean? Especially if there's whiskey involved, right, Ken? I might smack somebody. Smack <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's out, what's out there, though, um, that that I'm just going to switch a little bit for anything. Is there any gear out there that we're excited about right now? Who Who's excited about something that might – I know I want to get my hands on the grandmother. Mm, the grandmother, yeah. I'm definitely mm -hmm. excited about that piece. Yeah. It looks great. I definitely want to check it out. Have you? What? I'm uh, sorry, guys. What did you say? He's talking grandmother. The grandmother. The mold grandmother. Oh, yeah, that looks fire. Yeah. It yeah. looks like the, the and I feel like this, is this the, the third show in a row that this came up, Ken? It may be. Yeah, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to speak on it anymore. Because like, I, let me let me say this though. This is totally this is kind of off topic from that, but um, in dealing with the fact that it has a spring reverb and I have the basic synth architecture that's already in there, so I don't really need one. But today, like I, I rearranged part of my rack already, and uh, I put the magneto in my different case, and the magneto has a digital spring reverb. Well, I put it in there pretty. Much, I put it in right here. And I have a spring reverb right here, like a real spring reverb right there. And I was like, man, I wonder how well they did that. Like, you know, granted, like, it's not like they're modeling the spring reverb directly off of my spring reverb. But I'm wondering, like, how close is it? Keep talking. Keep it going, Ken. I got to I'm gonna step away just for a second. Keep going. Yeah, I don't tend to talk very much. So that's going to be hard. Um, so, <laughs> no. So what I did was I set up a patch and I was sending stuff through the real spring reverb and through the magneto at the same time. And switching back and forth, like blending between the two and tweaking them. Uh, now, granted, my real spring reverb has um, I, it has a tone control on it, so you can make it brighter or darker. And it's got a pretty large spring on it. I, I forget exactly how long it is. I want to say it's like I want to say it's like 15 inches or something like that. But anyway, 
The freaking spring reverb on the Magneto is almost identical to my spring reverb. It's so close that if you close your eyes and I say, all right, which one is which, yeah. you're likely not going to be able to pick between the two. The spring reverb sounds that accurate. Okay. So I was I was really impressed by that. All right. So, yo, check this out. Yeah. Um, hold on. It's some of my favorite joints. I got some. I got some records, right? Um, this is dope. Sun Ra. Sun Ra. All Sun Ra. Give it right. Um, I love this. Uh, this Johnny Guitar Watson has always been a favorite. I mean, look how ill that cover is. That's craziness. Is that a cardboard box that they dressed up like a Cadillac, yo? Like a go kart. It's like a go kart. But now I'm getting to something here. All these things I've sampled. All these things. Uh, Stevie Wonder presents Sirita. Oh yeah, I got that. Yo, there's some gems on there. Yo, this is good music. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting to to uh, something when I started digging into stuff that was different from any of that, any of the soul music and uh, jazz and stuff. When I started digging into stuff like this, mm, switched on. Switched yeah. on Bach, right? When I start digging into stuff like that, then there's a whole, I mean, was Morton and Sabotnik? There's a whole bunch of stuff that's out there. It's like, this changed the game. And it, it was a signal for, uh, like, that electronic instruments and synthesizers can be used to make real music. Now, y'all know what I'm getting at, right? This is goes back to this whole Mondap conversation and talking about how we could use synthesis to kind of uplift or, or take stuff to another level or just to kind of breathe new life into something that we already doing so that brings me to switched on the new switched on let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about switched on bap yes bap switched on bap word that's dope is that a sticker or a button sticker okay i'm gonna have to get some of those man but, so let, let's talk about the the switched on bap ski what's the what, what let just get into it Switched on back. Tell the people about it. Well, basically, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a playoff switched on back. Um, I definitely have the same switched on back album you got. Mm -hmm. uh, Wendy Carlos, man, you know, back in the 60s, he was a musician who, um, when synthesizers came out, when modular synthesizers came out, you know, he wanted to create um, a classical album using those sounds, and he right. did it. And that's how he, you know, came up with switched on back. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I was trying to come up with a title for my album. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm basically taking modular synthesizers and, you know, just doing some hip hop with it. So we just call it Switched on Bap. And mm -hmm. it worked good with the my whole my Bap, you know, energy. Yeah, you know? yeah, no doubt. That's what's up. I think it's going to be a dope project from what I can hear. And, and listen, when's it drop? July 6th. July 6th. Dope. How long you been working on that joint? Uh man, not too long. You know what? I I made the album while learning how to ap actually operate the uh, modular. So, <laughs> so I was learning how to uh, work it. Then I was making the beats at the same time. Then I would just save the beats and just keep doing it. And mm -hmm. then I turned around and said, "Well, yo, I got a couple of beats. I should just turn this into a project." And mm -hmm. uh, that's what happened. Dope, dope. So that's dope. That's it a feels dope. like it feels like almost stream of consciousness because I do know. Like, I, you know, as we started to see you kind of jump into modular and, and incorporate it into it, and it, it was like a stream of consciousness. You can kind of tell, like, as this kind of was developing and, you you know, as you got deeper into it, like, yeah. 
You know what I mean? And it kind of kind of developed like that. So that's dope. Mm-hmm. I got I angry think, when I, I think saw the dope title. Hello? I got angry when I saw that title because I was like, man, I should have thought of that. <laughs> I think I think the dopest part about it is that it's so organic, you know, yeah. like it's not this contrived made up. Yo, I'm going to you know what I mean? Like the fact that you did it as you were organically doing it naturally. That to me is the when the, your best stuff comes out, when you're not thinking and you're feeling it, people are going to feel your shit immediately like what did you do here and you're like i don't even know that was just what i was feeling in that moment and in that time and it becomes timeless because you can't duplicate it you know what i'm saying and i think that to me is so much better than if you were like mastered something and you're almost doing it robotically you know what i'm saying the fact that you did it and you you were like yeah i'm I'm figuring this out as i'm sharing my ideas and my feelings with you that to me is like the ultimate artist you know, hey, Eski, you said something uh, one day. What'd you say? You, it, it was, I read it, I think it was on the Switched on Bap Instagram profile. Where you said, Yo, the amount of cats that's gonna make songs to these beats is gonna be crazy, right? <laughs> that's what's dope about doing instrumental albums, though. You you think it's gonna, it's, it's gonna resonate with cats that way? Yeah, I think so, man. I think you know, we should have a couple of um, uh, people posting up some nice songs with some of these beats, man, which is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is dope. You know, I I don't I, I, I don't know if you guys remember like remember when you would listen to records back in the day and there'd be like a fifteen minute break in between the record where it was just all music yeah. like Prince did it and um, uh, uh, Temptations did it like different different old school bands and mm-hmm. be a whole break in the middle of the song at the end of the song and <laughs> people would take that part and just you found yourself re-looping up just the music part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's fantastic that you have a whole album of of that, those parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People, and, and you know what I'm saying? You kind of get into, you get into the, the, the production of the, of the thing and the techniques and stuff. And honestly, that's the kind of stuff I pick apart, be like, yeah, I could see, oh, wow, what, what was used right there? But then, right. too, interludes in hip-hop is dope. Did you, oh, did you get into the interlude game on the ski? I got I got ten tracks, ten interludes. Each track has an interlude. Word, that's dope. Oh, nice. Oh, that's heavy on that. I'll tell you what, I've been following it on uh, Instagram, man. Like you've been posting different beats up on Instagram. He's so a beast. I, I, He's a monster. Check with out uh, at Switched On Bap on Instagram, and you you can check out little snippets of the album like that too. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of I've been kind of thirsty for it. So yeah, I, I'm waiting yeah. on that one. I'm so let me ask you this, Ski. Are you gonna do um? And I hope you say yes, but are you gonna do just kind of like you know how um uh you know how Splice has uh they have Oak talking about how he did sorry not sorry for um Demi Lovato that he has like he breaks it down and he just talks about his creative process. Will there be a time where you do that for your album? Um. Or just talk about your pieces and stuff like that, because I'm looking behind you, and I mean, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? You know, I would love to ask you, like, why'd you pick that piece and or that piece, or why'd you choose the, you know what I'm saying? This filter versus another filter. Like, mm-hmm. will there be a time where people could actually sit and kick it with you, where you do like something like this, where you talk about your actual rack? Yeah, definitely. 
Listen, yeah. Ski, I'm gonna tell you, this is what's going what, what we gotta do. Because me and Shiro and, and Ken and stuff have been planning something very specific for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I like you to be involved because the way this is, this is to me, this is kind of like a movement that's been happening, this this mod map and the fact that it's kind of resonating with people. And there's these milestones that are happening throughout the the thing, you know what I mean? And you know, Shiro has done um uh modular hip hop albums in the past, vinyl, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and you know, he has a ton of uh, experience in that stuff, but and then so with the stuff that Ken has done, our brother Upright, what he's done and stuff that, that I've done and start kind of melding this stuff together. And now what you're doing with Switched On Bap, I feel like there's a certain, this is this a lineage of things that are happening. It's, just, it's a movement. And so I want to be able to talk about that to people and and kind of show, go extensive into some stuff. And uh, I'm going to get at you on the, on, the, on the flip side to kind of talk about some of that so we can get involved. I think it'll be a dope thing Don't to do. Spilling to yeah, yeah. Don't know what's going on. What'd you say? I said, don't go spilling no beans. Yeah, we ain't gonna spill. We ain't ready for that. <laughs> no doubt. No well, what? Oh, hold on. Let me get my power cable. Hold on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's usually what the dad says to the kids when he's getting ready to spank them. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go get the power cable. <laughs> Yo, uh, Corey. What's up? Uh, what's been What's been new in the lab that you've been messing with? um latest latest and greatest i think what i've been messing with a lot late well actually last week or two i haven't been able to get in the lab too much but i think what i've been most inspired by lately is the digitone okay yeah digitone is is pretty nice man i mean to to bring that fm sound and that fm synthesis sort of fm synthesis in general into this small little box that can be a part of your bigger setup or can be its own standalone thing is pretty dope. And then, and then, and the way, you know, I have a, a stereotypical thing in my mind about how FM synthesis sounds right. And DX seven. And I used to have like a hang up about, you know, d- digital sense DX seven killed analog sense and killed a certain soulful sound from the seventies when the eighties came in. And, you know, I used to have a hang up about that, but the way they did, this FM synthesizer, the Digitone, is pretty incredible. It's dope. It's just the right amount of features and and sound, and you know what I mean. It's not overkill, but it's not underwhelming. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. That's what I like about that joint. Hold on, hey, uh, Stony. Yeah. What's your, what's your email? Um, Stony ten at Gmail. You you could use the uh, uh use the use the blue chat. Uh, so that no, that's not my email. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Use no, the no, blue no, chat. No. I'm trying to send a real email. Yeah, I know. Use the blue chat so it's not across <laughs> air. I don't think she wants a million emails from random dudes. Oh, my bad, my bad. That'll be funny. Stoney be like, I can't even go in my email no more. <laughs> Yo, can't give me your email. All right, I'll, I'll shoot it to you in a minute. You see that right there on the side, Ski? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Word. You got all my shit, though, dog. Come on, man. Yeah, I, st- I thought that Stony 10 was yours, but it's not. My bad. Not anymore. Some random. Yeah. Yo, I'm dying. I'm dying. But, yo, uh, 
Yo, you know somebody, you know some troll is gonna actually like flood that shit, right? So <laughs> good. Hey, what you gonna say, Ken? Uh, so I wanted to talk about the the live stuff that you were you were getting ready for the other day. Oh um, yeah, you, yeah. So you were using the uh you decided to do a live set and you were using the 404 and the push. And right. we were, kinda, we were kind of all chatting back and forth about the, um, about why you weren't using a live for it and that you were using the, the, the push and you were using the 404 and the effects and this and that. So I just wanted to get your perspective on what you like to do during a live set. How much of it do you want to be live and how much of it do you want to be pre-sequenced and that kind of thing? Um, how much, Hold on, X that again. I'm sorry. So I'm asking more about like your live scenario, right? right. How much of it do you want pre-sequence, like to where you're basically hit and play, and how much of it do you want to be having freedom to sequence on the fly and effect on the fly and that kind of thing? 50-50, 50-50. You know, I mean, I want to have, I want to be able to, you know, um, jam out with, you know, with the actual tracks. So you know, that's why I got the four 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 because you mm -hmm. know the four four has the dope effects. I can put, you know, samples on the pad. I can kind of get busy. And um, the push is cool because I can, you know, just activate the lot, the, the full tracks right there. You get me? Mm -hmm. so, so let me ask you, why'd you, why'd you switch over to the push for live stuff? Because you were doing machine, right? Yeah, but see, the push has the uh, Ableton effects. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So that's why you switched over? I got the macros on the top. So, you know, I, with Ableton, I can make a dope ass DJ effect rack. I can have filters, delays, yada right, yada, right, yada. Right. Like a macro, everything right across the top. Yeah, because uh, I know you use a machine for a while, because you you were literally doing like sets, like literal like music sets with machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with the, the live is a different kind of live setup than that one. Right, definitely. Totally different. Okay. Machine, I was basically using machine as like a um instant replay machine. I was just triggering, you know, the songs for them. Right. Feel me? But with the push and with the um the full it's more it's more you know, it's more I feel like a musician. I feel oh, like no, I I, yeah, that's I use the push for my live setup too and it's it there's nothing like it. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a whole different it's too much it's so so much you could do with it. Right. Do you use the crossfader and all that to go from do you ever use the crossfader? On what? On Ableton? Uh huh. Sometime, yeah. I do some track the track. Do you do decks? Um, when I'm doing like parties, like regular DJ parties, but okay. for this particular thing, it's not like that. This okay. particular thing is more of a, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a producer, so it's more of a drum machine kind of thing. Oh, you're doing a, oh live set set. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's what's up. And and with but with push too, with push you got you got like scenes and clips you can launch and stuff like that right that's that's right. and and you can kind of on the fly arrange the 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 production that's being heard but i mean look at the name it's live yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, exactly it's meant for that mm -hmm. yo guys i just sent you all of y'all a copy of uh switched on back the advanced copy oh so that's what's up i'm gonna rock that file it's like 27 minutes long so can't skip. You got to listen to it from beginning to end. I like that. <laughs> I like I that. That's kind of dope, out. actually. I'm, I'm a, all excited. Yo, real quick, it makes I, me I, actually want to throw it to. Uh, it makes me want to throw it to like my tractor and throw it on the vinyl tractor so that I can just lay it on there and just kind of <laughs> really experience it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just let it real play. Real. I would love to hear y'all feedback. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'll be rocking it in the car. I got to hear it in the system. So, Yo, real quick, I want to ask Ski. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Only because you know we hip hop heads, so you know I gotta ask, what you think about Push album and, and Ye album? Woo! <laughs> the production, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, okay. I listen to both. I'm just curious how you feel about Push album and Ye album, far as production and all that. Definitely full. Definitely feeling Pusha T's album. And Ninth Wonders too, man. Let's not. No, no man. I, no, I'm asking about Pusha T and and Ye. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm throwing the three big albums <laughs> all you, out there at Ken, once. Ken. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Man. There's three. <laughs> thank you, Ken. I'm talking about Pusha and Ye. Kanye's album, I haven't listened to it fully yet, but from what I heard, it's cool. It might have. It's like one of those things that might have to grow on me. Man, I, I'm feeling the Ye album. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. I I mean, Pusha, that's. Push got bars, so he be I'm making a, it. A person. He a bar, mm-hmm. yes. He got bars, so he makes it. No matter what it sound like, he gonna make it sound like something. The mm-hmm. Ye album, I'm really. It made me feel like old old Kanye. It kind of like the me, you know what I mean? And I love all that stuff Mike Dean is doing in there with the mold. Right, right, right. You can listen. hear all like all the filtering and stuff he's putting in there. I'm early. like, I only heard the first couple songs, and then I went. And started listening to the ninth one, the Black Thought album. It was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta go back and check like, out. Check in yeah. production wise, is it very boom bappy or? Uh, yeah, I think it is, and that that gets into something that I was saying. Like, listen, these two albums, I'm definitely feeling the ninth wonder, um, and Black Thought album more, right? And then then D still was like, that's just because what he say, Ken. He uh, said they were old. <laughs> yeah, he, he said that's because the ninth one in Black Thought that made for two different age groups. Right. And I was like, nah, okay, I see what you're saying, but I think Kanye's album, uh, if you say that's for a younger age group, but you say Black Thought, Ninth Wonder is for an older age group, that puts me in the mind that I feel like it's time for hip hop to have subgenres just like rock rock guy. Because I don't think, I think either one of them is genre, less dope man. than the other. Well, yeah, it does, but not the same way. This classic rock, this progressive rock, this you know, right. whatever. Yeah, Corey, I'm gonna say it like this: Listen, dope contemporary. Dude, as somebody, as somebody who who grew up, really, honestly, like, and I say this, it's gonna sound disrespectful. Let it sound that way, whatever. But I'm just being honest. I never enjoyed hip hop that was on the radio. Like, really, like it just, by and large, it it wasn't what interested me. Like, you know, I was always mm-hmm. into underground hip hop. So for me, subgenres of hip hop is a very old thing. I mean, you can go to horrorcore, you can go to, you know, thug rap. Like there's there's so many subgenres and they've been there for a long time. So the fact that a lot of a lot of the the older generation that's came up on, you know, boom bap and whatnot is now like, oh, okay, now there's these subgenres. I'm like, nah, dude, like I was not bumping Jermaine Dupree back in the day. Like to me, like no. I felt like that was barely hip hop at all. Like, you know, and, and and I'm being real. Like, you know, as far I like, as I like sub genres are concerned, it was. I'm you know, with it. I don't care. But you know what, though, Ken, that's one thing. Sub genres, like, not necessarily like gangster rap versus whatever horrorcore or something. But I'm saying, like, it feels like there needs to be because we have a problem with ageism in hip hop, and it feels like there needs to be. Mm. Uh, uh, I agree with that. Classic hip hop, like classic whatever, right? Or progressive or whatever. You know, these different things that I just feel like kind of defines us better. We could all be sitting in a room with people that may be 10 to 20 years younger than us. Does it make their music any better than what we grew up on or our music any better than what they growing up on? I don't think so, but I think it's still a part of this umbrella in the culture that we 
Yeah, hip hop is the only um, music culture where if you owe you whack. <laughs> yeah, and crazy because because you think about Captain Love Rock, they're not gonna. Yeah, I disagree listen, with that. Rock punk, ain't gonna look guys in the punk rock scene and then and, and tell me if that's the truth. No, oh, I don't know no. anything about it's, the it's, punk rock it's, scene though. It's a common it's a common thread through rebellious music, period. Like, you know, like that you make a good point, dude. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's that rebellious attitude that, that hip hop came up on and, and you know and, and to an extent, it's not necessarily wrong, but like that's when you go into these different subgenres. And for me, it's like so. Yeah, like back in the day, there was you know you had like great grave diggers was not the same as you know Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Like it just wasn't. By you far, know? and I love them both. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying them. one's better than the other at all. Right. I'm just simply saying that like you got to understand that like now it's just the the way that music is delved out to people is on a more even playing field than i think it's ever been even if yeah you you still have major labels you still have these things going like major channels and big money in it at the same time it's like it's easier for somebody with no money to get into the ears of the youth you know so now these subgenres will become more important because now it's like okay well how do you find the music that you gravitate to right. you know what i mean Mm hmm. Well, that's a that's a huge change in the in the just I mean, you know, the music industry changed, internet changed everything. The the sharing the information age changed everything when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. You know, but I will say that as far as like rebellion music, I think there's a youth culture. Hip hop is a young genre, right? And and it start at, at its core, it's a youth culture. So now what we're starting, we're in a very special place to have seen. You know, some you know, like my daughter is gonna be 18 this year, and she's like, she trips out like I used to trip on the 70s, even you know what I'm saying? Like she trips on the 90s, like yo, the 90s was like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's just because she's smart. But the, the thing is, there's something special about her. We just happen to be in a place where you could see it from its inception. And it's a part of that thread of our lives, no matter if you're born in the 70s or 80s, you know what I mean? And now it's at a point where there's new generations doing more stuff with it. And we tend to be like, yo, that ain't or this ain't all that. But it's the youth culture. And I think we're in a special place where the music and the culture is growing. It's at a different place. Well, how KRS want to say 50 years down the line, you could start this because <laughs> we'll be the old school artists. It's like I love the fact that it's 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 an umbrella now. You know what I mean? It's a lot of dope things I don't about have a, but like I think the ageism comes in because it starts as a youth culture and the voice of the youth. And now we're older, but there's a youth still coming up. And that's why there's this like uh, young kid that point up his finger to the older head and the older head that's pointing his finger down to the young. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's progression. It's all a part of it. Um, that's why I feel like it's time to let it breathe and let it have subgenres. And, and it, it is okay. Like, yo, Younger dudes love boom bap too. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. All right, that, that's why I don't get mad. Trap. Dude, that's why I don't get mad at, at trap music. Like trap music and mumble rap and all that can be its own thing because guess what? I didn't get into juggalos either. You know what I mean? Like the juggalos didn't bother me. I just thought it was garbage. So I moved I on. Like it didn't bother is. me. What's I that? I don't know what that is. Just like Stoney didn't know what Jack the Ripper was. How you gonna blow me up like that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, damn, really, Corey? Dang, bro. 
that was harsh, man. Like, yeah. Oh, I have kept that private. That, that's got Somebody calling the burn unit. You must be rubbing off on him, Ken. You see? Huh? It's all good. You don't have to know what Jack the Ripper is. Okay. I disagree with that. I mean, but. I disagree with that. Word up. I just wanted to put her on blast on the air. Stoney loves being there like that. Just because she liked to bark on you anyway. <laughs> but Stony, hey, look, I'm 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 freezing the frame on you right now. You got that sub 37 sitting back there. It's looking pretty sweet. Your setup is nice. Thank you. You 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 rocking that 37? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, what I'm trying to do now is because this has uh, the CV out of it, so um, mm -hmm. I'm actually working on hooking that CV, the uh, sub 37 coming out of that into the mother 32. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then just play around with that and then um ken ken and i are supposed to de uh delve into the um the beat step pro we're gonna like get into the beat step pro and stuff like that also we'll do that right after the show yeah and then um um I'll, I'll send you the information for the shipping and we'll figure out which module which modules you're sending over corey for, yeah. for the next you know for the next installation you showing them what you're sending you can show them. Well, I'm, I'll show what I got as extras, yeah. right? And I'm still right. worried yeah. about this situation. Look at that art for the ears case. That thing yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah, that case, yeah. right? That's what needs to go to Stony. That case oh, is gorgeous. That's I'm still saying. people etched in it. Uh, yeah, hey, man. This is the new boombox picture. Remember cats used to come through with boomboxes on their shoulder like that? <laughs> That's what's up. Yo, is that cord right there? What's that uh, Qubit? Oh, this is a uh, Qubit rhythm. That oh, one. that's the rhythm. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the rhythm. Uh oh. Oh, 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 oh. Whoa, everybody pause. <laughs> yeah, we just had a two thousand dollar catastrophe live on air. Not at all, though. Ain't nothing hit the flow. Whoa. That's no, why I was closing it. No, like, you gotta so. give you all those modules. Huh? No, 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 no. We we no, we, 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 we do a trade. We trade. We trade everything. Those yeah, are all now. We doing those are all now B stock. Yeah, we so we trade some of the stuff. We got like um, like uh, what what you got? You got my turntable over there, right? I do. I got a turntable from you. <laughs> we yeah. we trade gear, so we got a whole bunch of stuff. Corey, no, I got a I got a garage full of all kinds of ridiculousness. Right. You you said you even got um, not that I want one, but I was surprised you got a ran over there sitting up. Yeah, I do. Brand new. Never used it. Yeah, I was about to say, you said it was like just about completely not used. <laughs> no, no, I never used it. No, no, I never used new. it. The only reason why I still have it is because they sent it to me with my with the plaque with my name on it, so I respect it, you know, but I never used it. I mean, I'm using it live right now, but I never got to get into the Ren. At the time, I was doing something else. I wasn't even, but I never touched it. My 4,000 is lit. My twenty five hundred, I never used. Never used. Got red pads and everything. Never used. It. Huh. I can't use everything. No, you can't exactly use everything. But but this is all tools, though. That's what's dope about it. It's like tools because every carpenter don't use the same tool for every job. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that that's what's up with it. But hey, Stony, we're gonna have to talk about these modules and see see okay. what we can make happen. All right, um, all right so listen. And then everybody could follow. They could follow the progression. Yeah. 
Next show, I'll show them how I'm using stuff. That it'll be dope. And then if I'm lucky enough, I can talk to Ski about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what's happening. Ken, do you still use your quadnik? My quadnik, I sold. Um, I sold it to a to a friend that's local. So if I ever had to fight him, I can take it back. Um, that what what was bad about that was like every time I went to to sell it. I would use it for a little bit and then I'd be like, oh, I don't want to sell this. Like that thing is dope. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit upset that I sold it, but I kind of want it back. Yeah, I sold it once and I bought it again. Ski, have you checked out the quadnik joint? What is that? So the quadnik is by um Studio Electronics. Okay. And and it's uh it's it's a four voice digital module. And then it has it has some weird stuff in here, like uh, process mode, where you can really you can put it on chord mode. Uh, you can get it on process mode. You can detune each of the four voices to you know detune them from one another. That's where it gets fun. Yeah, it gets crazy right then. But then you can process it so it's like two times add, two times mode. Two times PM, uh, two times and PM it's low fi. Like that's the and thing. Yeah, it's low fi. They it's really a, crazy module, man. Corey, they didn't have like a ton of great info as far as exactly what that thing is, but it's kind of like low fi in, in a pretty nice way. Like it's got, um, man. Like if you if you listen to it, like you'll definitely hear it. Like it's got like this kind of vintage breakup, like digital oscillators. Like I got the. Um, and sonic sq80 behind me right and one of the things that i love about it is it's a hybrid synth right so it's got um analog filters and analog vca like uh it's got sem filters in it uh cem filter curtis you know Mm. it's got those same filters from the old prophet and it's got the uh vca from the memory moog but then the oscillators are 8-bit wave sample rom oscillators right and the thing about those old oscillators, those those old 8-bit ones, is not only was there a little bit of noise in them because of the way the chip was and it's lo-fi and all, but it kind of warbles just a little bit. Like, it's not 100% stable, and it's really cool sounding, and there's a lot for the filter to bite onto because it's so lo-fi like that. The quadnik is kind of similar in that way. Like, it's got this kind of, like, there's, like, because it's lo-fi, it's got this grit that the that your analog filters will bite onto and ha- have fun with, you know? So it's really dope. Yeah, I think I'm going to put that in my rack today and, and jump in there. Hey, this is a dope. Yo, somebody in the chat just said Bernie Worrell gave him his uh, DS Mofo before he wow. passed away, signed by him. Wow. That's huge, yo. That's crazy. CC Funk. Uh, CC Funk, you one from Detroit, right? I think he is. I'm That's still happy I got to shake his hand and thank him personally, like right before he passed. Like he was such a cool guy, man. Like just super down to earth, super couldn't couldn't have been more humble. Like dude was mm-hmm. chill, you know. Like I would hang yeah, out with him a couple times. Man, he, he was dope. Oh god, he was great. Yeah. So yo, we're gonna round things up. Uh, this has been a dope show. We got a chance to talk about a lot of dope stuff. We got a chance to uh, tell everybody about Ski Beats' new project switched on bap uh looking forward to that coming out ski uh you got anything you want to lead the people with before we get out of here yeah man you know if um if you would like to follow me you can follow me at switched on bap so you can uh, learn more about the album when it's going to drop and you can see um some of the creative process because you know i'm definitely working on switched on bap too mm-hmm. um, and um yeah man you know that's pretty much it man 
Oh, well, hold on. Before we go, I meant to ask you this. Um, um, how many joints is on Switched On Battle? Uh, ten. Ten. Nice. And who mixed it? Uh, young Guru. Young Guru. Mixed oh, nice. It. That's and that's another, that's another Delaware alumni. So shout out to Delaware. So we're in for a sonic treat with Switched On Bat because, you know, one, it, you know, it's my bat. So it's mixing, you know, uh, boom bat and, and modular synthesis. And, you know, it's kind of taking that to, to a certain level, but then being mixed by Young Guru. I mean, you know, the sonics is going to be on point. You know it already. Definitely. Word. I can't wait to check it out. I'm about to go check it out here now. But yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. You're always welcome to come on the show and uh, be a part of the, the crew and, and the panel and, and, and get it in. So I appreciate you for jumping on, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. No doubt. Ken, what you got to say on the way out, man? I got to say, I'm going to be bumping some some dope tunes later on, man. I'm hyped, <laughs> That's what's up. I'm hyped man. <laughs> like, yo, I'm, I'm going to be rocking that loud today. Like, wife is not going to be happy. Uh, I'm going to have it in the car. Ken, I'm, I'm uh, soon going to have uh, Matrix Brute in the house, man. So yo, I'm hyped. I'm hyped for you, man. Bit. Um. Yo, how was that thing, man? How was the brute, that Matrix thing in the back? It's room? it's not that good. Like you guys don't <laughs> right. I, I want it to become like a little known classic. So just don't worry about it. No, nah, it's Yo, honestly it it's still it's still like so so mine is a prototype. So if you look at it like it looks a little bit different than the final version. Um, but it is easily my favorite synthesizer in my setup. And like that includes my modular and everything, like just because of what it is like it it has certain limitations but just the way that it's laid out and how usable it is like for tracks and everything like i love it man like i i use it constantly i use it more than anything else in my setup just because you know if i want to uh if i want to process it separately it's got external processing that i can do on it if i want to uh you know switch the filters around this that and the third i can do all that man like it's hey, you just know what really i can't remember Kendall, does it have inputs so that you can process things through the filter and the effects that are cuz it's yes. Effects oh yes not only does it have that but it's got an envelope follower on that so like if you want to throw like say you throw like a a drum loop through it right you could have you can turn the envelope follower on and it'll like it'll make your filters jump with the drum loop and everything like it's dope man like oh i know yeah. i'm saying like a lot but i get excited when i think about it <laughs> the can is a yo i went to i went to um um my man glenn's crib wants to borrow his glenn <clears throat> glenn used to work for he was the vp of product development at arturia and we don't live Shout too out far to glenn. From one another glenn is a good dude he's 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 the homeboy and uh Glenn let me borrow his Matrix Brute for like a week or something like that. And and I was telling him as I was pulling up, I was like, you know, Ken got like 9 million videos on the Matrix Brute. And he was like, yeah, he loves that thing. I was like, yeah, he's a Matrix Brute evangelist. So you get him started talking on a Matrix Brute. <laughs> it's going to be funny because It's funny because Glenn, you know, Glenn was basically the guy who birthed it. And yeah. um, he even like for him, he's like, oh, it's, it's still not what his dream synth is like he he has ideas of what he wants to make as a dream synth and i'm like i'm hyped for that too but like for me as far as a, uh as far as a mono synth um uh, which yeah it can play paraphonic as well which mark Doty, don't kill me for saying paraphonic i know how you get um this well, thing is say, it's not it's just not two notes right Does we're it? not we're not gonna get into that we're not <laughs> 
we're not gonna step on the minefield of of of, of that. But uh, yeah, what I'll say is this: is that um. I, I was skeptical when it first started because I was like, yo, the brute sound as a whole um, is it's really powerful, right? Like like in a mono voice, you know, it's it's brash and it's very powerful on its own. So I was like, I don't know how it's going to work if you're adding more oscillators and you're you're making it thicker and they they rework the voicing inside of it. So it's not like the original mini brute. Like it doesn't overdrive in the same way. It's like, you can get it to do that, but it, it has way more headroom. It doesn't suffer from what the, um, sub, uh, sub 37 does. Like there's plenty of headroom in it beforehand. So you can actually go to town on this thing and just get these massive, like slightly detuned sounds that are evolving and the way that the oscillators track across it, it sounds more like a vintage synth to me than most of the modern stuff, you know? Just like we were talking about studio electronics, I personally feel like a lot of the studio electronics, like Moog-style synthesizers that they make, sound more to me like a Moog than Moog does. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, it they, has they, that... that vintage sound, they cla and that classic sound, they practice that. Exactly. And, and this kind of has that same liveliness to it. Like... Uh, people were making fun about when Richard Devine said in the the press material for the DeepMind 12, oh, it it kind of sounds modular, and they were like, well, what the hell does modular sound like? It but you know what? He was talking about all the all the modular. No, I know, I know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. That went over other. I'm not discounting what he said, but to mm -hmm. me, like, I get what he was saying because to me, this mm -hmm. it it sounds like modular. It has that liveliness. Like when I patch up a few analog oscillators in my modular, they track slightly different because they're calibrated slightly different. Like. You know, this thing has that that liveliness where it, yeah, it's in tune, but it has this liveliness. Long story I, short, long story short, ski, you need a matrix brute. Mm. <laughs> That's what's up. You, it's, hey, it's hey, when we get up next time, we get up, man. I'll I'll, I'll have it with me, man. Like I'll bring it. <laughs> no doubt. Either that or you come out here, but either way, like it, it'll be with me, and we can have some fun. Word and uh and. Stone. But yo, all, all I'm doing, just last thing, all I'm doing, uh -huh. all, all I'll say is that I have uh, Ain't no last thing. NPC. No, this is the last thing. NPC sound packs are coming soon because, you know, I got the live and, you know, I've got a ton of I've got a ton of backlog of sounds that I did for Native Instruments uh, or excuse me, sounds.com. Give me some sounds, son. Yeah, I could dude, I got I got gigs. I got gigs of unreleased sounds. So yeah. I'm putting them into the into the NPC because I want to format them for that. Um and it's a little bit easier for me to format for that than it was for machines. So I kind of have been holding off so that I had the MPC so I could do that. And that stuff is coming real soon. Deep, multi-sampled synthesizer sounds, like full instruments that you can play. It's going to be dope. Yeah, I, I could tell from what you was playing, it's going to be like that. Um, that uh, you were playing a beat that was like, like whoa i ain't heard ken dig in like that in a long time so it's like i can see you you really coming up with some stuff man so that's dope um yo stony what you got going on as we yeah. as we you know follow me on stony's music instagram um youtube tell people about your saturday show on instagram live oh yeah uh stony sessions um well i'll be doing one tonight at 9 30. i do a um it's a live stream that i do where Sometimes guests pop up and we just organically just start talking about production. Um, it's, it's definitely, we talk about everything, but it's, you know, really a producer's, you know, room to come in and um, understand just 
production in general. We don't just talk about gear. We talk about our, you know, producers' lifestyle, you know, your musical taste, you know, what's new, what's dope. I even talk about stuff like trimming back and taking things off of the desk and just sticking to mm -hmm. one piece. I like give them challenges. Some weeks we give challenges like, okay, pick one piece of gear that you're going to use for the week and no plugins, just all the standard basic things that you can have. Strip yourself of all that stuff and see what you come up with. So yeah, come check it out. It's Sony session. Um, it's on, on Saturday nights, 9.30. Um, you know, and just follow me on my social media. Eastern, and, right? 930 huh? Eastern. Is it 9.30 Eastern? Eastern, yeah, Eastern, sorry. Um, 9.30 Eastern, PM, 9 PM Eastern. And um, yeah, uh, follow me on my um, my website, estoniesworld.com. You guys can go check, mm -hmm. you know, check out all the things that I'm working on. And, you know, uh, I got some music coming out. So um, yeah, just, you know, follow me on my socials. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And Yo, thanks for having me on the show again, you know, of course. What's up? So yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming out to see this, this uh, to watch and listen to this next episode of Be People Podcast, episode 37. And just remember, for those of you that may not get a chance to watch, obviously it's live stream, but it's also on YouTube and that's where it lives. But then you can also subscribe to the Beat People Podcast on iTunes Music or the iTunes Podcast app that's out there. So uh, you can just kind of uh, listen to it while you drive to work. And um or whatever you're doing when you're working out or whatever. So yeah, but on, on the flip side, there's beatpeople.com. Make sure you go up and, and check out beatpeople.com and uh, there's new product coming out there very soon. I'm still uh, gonna drop this Modulax sound pack and uh, uh, instrumental album. So that'll be coming real soon. And actually I think out of everybody, I have shared that Modulax with, uh, with uh, D Still. D Still loves that pack. So. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. And we'll check you out. If not next week, it'll be the following week. But, you know, you may see us sooner. All right? Beat People Podcast. We don't beat people. We are beat people. Peace.